Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you're standing, go with me, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, and I just want to read a few verses of Scripture. Thank you to our D, E, and F piano player today. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, we get reading verse number 12. And the Bible says, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. In verse 14, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Amen. I just want to talk to us for the next little bit uh, from this title, Rise Above. Amen. I really hope today that, um, that you are encouraged by uh, this, this message, this lesson. Uh, some parts of it may seem uh, a little discouraging, but I promise that's not the goal. Uh, how many know sometimes preachers start out on the discouraging part to kind of lead up to the encouraging part? Some parts of it may seem like that, but that is not the goal today. Um, how many of you know that it's, it's only when things start to go right that that's when the enemy shows up, right? Right? It's like, it's like the enemy comes in like a flood only when things are just going according to plan and going in the right direction. There's a lot of you here today, uh, and you've been on this journey for a while now, and, and you know this to be true, that anytime God leads, that anytime he, he prompts you to do something meaningful, to make a difference. Unfortunately, you can expect opposition. You can expect uh, opposition. You can count on obstacles. You can expect some spiritual resistance to come in and try to slow your work. If you look at the stories of the Bible, you know this to be true. Adam and Eve are serving God. And then what happens? The serpent comes uh, and, and, and resists them. They resist the work. They resist the relationship and everything's going on. And he distracts them from God's will taking place. Moses had his Pharaoh, and uh, who was his enemy. David had his Goliath. Uh, you go to the New Testament, Jesus has Herod. He has the Pharisees. He has the Jewish leaders. He has Judas. He has uh, uh, the demons. And the list goes on and on and on. There's always, you can expect, opposition. Batman had Joker, right? Am I right? I know we're out of the New Testament. Luke had Darth Vader. 
and George Bailey had Mr. Potter. That's just, you can expect opposition. There's always going to be some resistance. And so Nehemiah, the person that we're looking at, the Bible lets us know that he had Sanballat. He had Sanballat and Tobiah and others who opposed what was going on. And, and let me give you a little bit of backstory. Nehemiah, he was an ordinary guy who was a cupbearer for the king. He was a servant. That's what a cupbearer is. He was a servant to the king of Persia. He had heard about this uh, unfortunate predicament that his people were in, maybe a thousand miles away or so. They were in a horrible situation. Their city had just been destroyed by the Babylonians. And so his heart was breaking for his people. And he realized that somebody has to do something about what's going on. And he thought to himself, it might as well be me. And so he seeks, he seeks God. He asks for favor from God. He approaches the king, and, he, and, he, and his request was, may I go back and, and rebuild the city? And it's a fascinating story of a spiritual journey and a, and a heart for leadership uh, of an ordinary guy who who believed that God could use him to do something that hadn't been done before. And I don't have enough time to go through all the details, uh, but he went back and he started rebuilding the gates. He started rebuilding the gates before he rebuilt the walls. And he led a group of people to rebuild these gates. And you read about them. It's the sheep gate and the fish gate and the valley gate and the horse gate and the fountain gate and the dung gate. And I'm not making these up. Those are in your Bible. The fountain gate and the dung gate. I don't know about you, but I'll take any gate but the dung gate. All right? And what's crazy is he was inspiring these ordinary people to come along and do this work. People that didn't have any construction background whatsoever. People who didn't even own a hammer. People who had no idea. It's kind of like Eric Graham using me to be an electrician on the Illinois District Campgrounds. That's why my hair is so gray, I believe it. That's why ever since that day. This is the kind of type, this is kind of the type of people that he's working with. They were not masonries. They were not carpenters. He was working with goldsmiths. He was working with merchants and he was working with perfume makers. It is beyond me how you get a guy who makes perfume to build a gate. I don't understand it, but that's just who he was working with. And the amazing thing is they started making progress. Progress started to be made. For the first time, the gates were coming up and there was progress on the walls and people started to think, maybe, just maybe, this might work. It's crazy, the crew that we have here, but stuff is happening. Progress is happening. These things are going up. And what happens? What happens in the story? What do we know so far? What do we know? What have we discussed already? That whenever the work goes down, opposition shows up, right? When the work begins to take place and start and progress is being made, opposition then begins to step in. And that's what happens 
the, the thing is, the moment that you tend to start doing something that glorifies God, friend, you can set your calendar to know that there is spiritual opposition that is going to show up. And we see this in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. We'll start in verse 1. And this is what the Bible says, that, that, uh, that, that we have all this opposition. And Scripture says that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, now he's a bad guy, remember that, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He was enraged. He was beside himself. And so what does he do? The Bible says that he ridiculed the Jews. He mocked them. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Everybody say feeble. Feeble. Now, what you have to understand is the word feeble from the Hebrew text, it actually means like a flower that was chopped off. In other words, it means that the flower is now dead. So when he's saying feeble, He's saying they're hopeless, they're lifeless, they have no chance at rebuilding these walls. What are these feeble Jews doing? And then he says this, will they rebuild and restore the wall? Will they ever offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then Tobiah, he joins in, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Tobiah who was at his side says this in verse 3, what are they building? Even a fox can climb up on it and it would break down their walls of stones. A fox could jump up on that thing and just break it down just by walking. So what's going on here? What What is taking place? What do we know? That when the work starts to go down, opposition shows up. Opposition comes in. And unfortunately, this is true still today. For a lot of you in here, you're dealing with it right now. Who knows, perhaps maybe in the last few weeks, you were maybe moved in a direction that that, that you wanted to do something to make a difference, and all of a sudden, you had opposition. You had something come up. It could be as simple as you deciding to finally come back to church. I'm, I'm finally going to go back to church, and I'm, this is the day, this is Sunday, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to church. And all of a sudden, you wake up, and your kids are driving you crazy, and you get into the biggest argument with your spouse that you've ever had. What is that? It's opposition. It's opposition. It could be that you're trying to get out of debt and you said, I'm going to pay off all these bills and I'm going to get myself out of debt. And the moment you do, what's going to happen? Your car's going to break down and you're going to find it in the shop with a $500 repair bill. Yeah, I gave it a good effort. It's opposition. It could be that you want to do something something for God, and you tell somebody close to you, I believe that I'm called, and I believe that God wants to do something in my life, and, and, and you, re- you tell that to somebody that you love, somebody that you trust, and all of a sudden the response is, well, are you sure? Like, who, are, are you sure? Like, I don't really know. Like, do, who do you think you are? 
You know, that's that's you know, we get those responses sometimes, but that's dumb or that's that's idiotic or what what are you doing thinking that way? You don't have what it takes and you're not qualified and you have no pedigree in this and and someone that you love shoots you down. Now, what I hope you'll understand is this. Don't be surprised when opposition comes. Don't ever be surprised when you take a step of faith and you see your enemy push back because advancement invites opposition. Progress invites opposition. Movement in the right direction invites opposition. What do we know about our enemy? He doesn't bother those who are not He doesn't bother those who are not. If you're walking his way and doing his will, he's going to leave you alone completely. But the moment you step out and you try to honor God, flags go up all over hell. And I believe that demons are released to go out and stop you from doing what you know that God called you to do. That's why I've always said that, that, that the devil isn't worried about those down at the local bar. He's not worried down there at the local whatever. He's not worried about those people. The one thing that he is worried about is the local church. That's the one thing that's not going according to his plan. You can expect spiritual opposition when you do the will of God. Satan tries to oppose the work of God. If you don't want any opposition, if you don't want any trouble, if you, if you just want a really easy, safe life, I'll tell you how to do it. What I would recommend you do is just coast along. You do your comfortable, comfy living and safe living. You, you can go to church, you can go to church, but whatever you do, don't engage. That, okay? If you don't want any opposition, that's, that's that, you know, you just go to church and you don't engage. Don't, don't you dare pray. Don't you dare serve. Don't you dare give. Don't you dare do any of those things. Uh, don't, don't, don't care about the things of God. You can do some spiritual things enough to make you feel good, but not enough to make a real difference. Because the moment you step out of your comfort zone and seek the God of heaven and try to represent him and do something significant, Opposition's on the way. Opposition's on the way. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to frighten anybody with that. I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to give you a heads up this morning. I'm trying to help you to expect it and not be surprised by it. When you step out, the devil tries to step in and, 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 and get you to stop, get to get you away from doing what God would have you to do. So if you don't want any opposition, I just simply say, stay out of the game. Stay out of the game. And you're probably going to be left out of trouble. For the most part, you're still going to have trouble. You're, still going, to, you're going to have a whole different trouble that you're going to deal with. But here's what I hope you'll understand. God is calling some of you to step up. God is calling some of you to step out, to serve, to to invite, to show love, and not just in the church, but as the church in the world. God is calling on some of you to rise up and step out into a world that needs to hear his word. And the moment that you do, you're going to face some opposition. (laughs) You're going to have critics. You're going to have some haters. Nehemiah had them. You'll have them. 
Nehemiah steps up and Sanballat and Tobiah come and try to tear him down. Let me ask you, how do you respond to critics? (laughs) How do you respond to haters? How do you respond to them? How do you respond to the the naysayers, the doubters, the, oh, that will never, no, that's not ever happened. How do you respond to them? The answer is, most of the time, you don't. So we're like, ah, had me all fired up. I was ready to go just to tear them down. Let me be clear. Most of the time, you don't respond. Notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't respond. He doesn't answer, and he doesn't defend. In fact, what I hope you'll understand is your response isn't going to convert the critic. The only thing that a response does is it validates the critics. Sometimes it empowers the critics. When you acknowledge those people, when you acknowledge the naysayers and the doubters, you actually give them power. They're not really important if you don't respond. Amen? Try that the next time you're on Facebook. Just keep scrolling. Just just scroll on past it. Just get past the post. Some people's posts can really irk me sometimes. If I'm being totally honest and transparent, it can really irk me. And that's saying it nicely. It could really drive me up a wall, and I would love nothing more than just speak my mind and just, just go ahead and let those thumbs do the work. How many have ever typed something out, got to the end, like, ah, oh, delete, or just backspace all the way? Be careful doing that. You might accidentally hit send. <laughs> I would love that sometimes. <clears throat> I would love to be able to say something and, and, and to defend and to, to say something to the naysayers and the critics. And uh, I always love to go back into a post I want to do that on and, and just look at the comments. It's got one comment, two likes, and one of them's because they liked it themselves. And I'm thinking, man, there's some people that think just like me, this is awesome. We're just going to, we're going to back off a little bit. It's hard to change the mind of the critic. It's hard. And that shouldn't be our goal. Our goal is to do the will of God. We're going to rise above those things and what they say and what she says and he says. We're going to rise above it and we're going to do the will of God. We're going to stay in the will of God. And let me just say, it's not easy when you step out and people start criticizing you. It's not easy when you step out and and I'm going to do something, I'll make a difference, and people start criticizing you. It's never easy to deal with the, the haters and the doubters and the naysayers. Begin, but again, what about dealing with, with the people that you would never expect those things to come from? People that you love, people that are close to you, people that you trust. And this is what happens. This is what will happen for some of you. You're, you're going to be called by God to do something, to take a step of faith. And someone you love, someone that you trust, It's going to step up with some strong words of discouragement. Well, who do you think you are? Like, you know, don't sell sell yourself 
short. You should do something different. You should do something besides ministry. You should do something different. Don't be dumb. And, and who do you think you are? And, who, you know, you weren't raised like this. It's hard when the haters hate on you. But it's even more difficult when the people closest to you don't believe in you. When the people who love you don't believe in that you're called or that you could ever do something to make a difference. And sadly, there are people that have been held back from doing the will of God because they've let those people that are close to them stop them. They, they started out, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something for God. I'm called. You're going to feel called to something. I believe that with all of my heart. You're going to feel called to something, maybe, maybe to start a home Bible study. And you'll have people that say, well, you don't even know where the book of Exodus is at. Like, why would you ever think that you could start a home Bible study? You can't, you can't do this and you can't do that. Whatever it is, you're too old, you're too young, you're not this and you're not that. You're too this or you're too that. When you step out, opposition steps in. That's why this is really important in any form of influence, any form of ministry, Here's the lesson. You can't be moved by both praise and criticism. You can't be moved by either one of them. You can't let praise get into your head, and you can't let criticism get into your heart. You can't be moved by what people think. You have to be moved by what God thinks. And here's what Nehemiah knows. He knows that he doesn't answer to his critics. He understands that he answers to God and God alone. And so instead of engaging on a lower level, he turns to a higher power. And what does Nehemiah do? We see him begin to pray. We see him begin to pray. And here's what he prays. And I want you to see the power of this prayer. He says this. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. I like that prayer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that's, that's what's, what's he saying? In other words, we've got haters, we've got critics, we've got all this opposition coming up. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Now watch what he prays. Now this is not what Jesus taught us to pray. I just want you to know that before we throw this up there. This is the kind of prayer that some of you have been known to pray, and I've been known to pray. Watch what he prays. Turn their insults back on their heads. I like that prayer. I'm not telling you how to, that you should pray that, but that's what he prayed. He didn't know turn the other cheek. All he knew was go sick them, God. Go get them. Turn their insults on their heads. Give them over as a plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. They're saying, they're insulting the people that are doing your work, God. Verse six, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Why? For the people worked with all their heart. What did Nehemiah do in the face of opposition? Watch what he did. He prayed to God, and he got back to work. He sought after God. 
He sought the direction from God. He sought after God, and then he got back to work. And the wall continued to go up. Why? Because the people worked with all their hearts. You see, there wasn't room for the critics. There wasn't room for those that were being hateful. There wasn't room for those those critics to get up in their heart. Why? Because they were doing the work of God. They weren't lowering themselves down to fight those who were arguing about petty things because they had a higher calling doing the will of God. They went to God in prayer, and then they got back to doing the work of God. And what I love about Nehemiah is he was both spiritual and practical. He was both spiritual and practical. He would pray as if everything depended upon God, and then he would work as if it depended all on himself. I think there are some people that need to be a little less practical and a little more spiritual. And then I think there are some that need to be a little less of one and a little more of the other. We are all spiritual and we are all practical. We need to get to the place where we need you, God. You guide our steps and we show up to work. God, we need your grace, yet we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to work. We need your power, yet we take out our shovels. And we're going to work. We're going to rise above the opposition. We're not coming down to fight it. We're rising above. We've got a higher calling. Yes, we're going to pray. But once we leave that prayer closet, it's back to work. It's back to work. Verse 10, what do we see? Meanwhile, in the middle of all this criticism, the people in Judah said this. These are Nehemiah's people. They said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. That's a lot like some of our lives. We see a little progress, and then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a discouragement. A little bit of a progress, two steps forward, one step back. All of a sudden, we're doing the hokey pokey. A little progress and a little discouragement. We see it's exactly what happens when we step into doing what we believe is the will of God. We see a little bit of progress and we see a little bit of opposition. Verse 11, this is what scripture says. Meanwhile, enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Verse 12, the Jew who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and they will attack us. What do we see? We see Nehemiah's friends. We see his people. We see the people of Judah start to doubt. And they're not just doubting what others are going to do. They're actually doubting their own ability. I want you to see this. They're doubting their own ability to get the job done. We've been talking about opposition all morning, external opposition from from the critics, opposition from those who are close to us. We've been talking about spiritual opposition. But this is one, but this one is probably the most difficult, and that is whenever it's internal opposition, internal opposition. Whenever that little voice inside our heads starts to speak, 
when our own insecurities begin to rise up, well, who do you think you are? And you're not qualified. And you don't have what it takes. And you're not this. And you're not that. And I'll tell you this, the enemy of our soul would love nothing more than for you to listen more to your inner, inner, inner insecurities than listen to the truth of what God says about you and who God says you are. Here's one thing you got to know. The external opposition, whatever they say, whatever they say, whatever those people say, whatever they say over there, will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. That's why we rise above. That's why we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We rise above. That's why we don't look at this way or that way. That's why we don't step out and we look to the left or the right. We keep our hearts higher. We keep our eyes higher. Nehemiah knew all about this. And that's what he did. He hears how the people are discouraged, how they are giving up, thinking it just can't be done. And then we come to verse 14, and this is what he says. Then as I looked over the situation, the leader that he was stands up and begins to assess the situation, and he looks all across, and this is what he said. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What is he doing? He is taking the focus away from the critics. He is taking the focus away from the opposition. He takes it all away, and he puts it back on his God, and he's saying, this isn't our battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Our God is with us, and our God is for us. Don't let your focus be on what your enemy said. Don't let your focus be on what the enemy has to say about you. You remember the hand of the Lord. You remember the goodness and the awesomeness of our God. Nehemiah was standing there and he was saying, I remember when I prayed for months and months and God granted the king favor and turned his heart and let me go. I remember when the king provided both protection and provision. I remember he blessed me to go out. I remember when God gave me favor with the people. I remember when there was nothing and the walls started going up. I remember that God provided it all, that God made it possible. I asked you the church this morning, do you remember? Remember the faithfulness of God? Do you remember the goodness of God? Do you remember what it was like before you learned to trust Him? Do you remember the guilt and the shame and the sin that you were in? Do you remember the gloriousness and the awesomeness of our God? Do you remember your testimony? Once was lost, now I'm found blind, but now I see. Do you remember what the Lord did for you? Do you remember that? I remember 
all the little miracles along my journey. I remember all the small things that God did for me, and God made it possible, and God made a, a, a way. I got no pedigree in this. I wasn't raised in this, and I remember time and time again of God coming through for me. So when I tell you this morning that God can, it's because I've seen God do, and, I, and if he's done it for me, I'm telling you he can do it for somebody in this room. I need you to remember this morning the goodness of our God and rise above those who say you'll never you'll never be this and you'll never be that this church will never be this and it will never we're going to rise above the criticism we're going to rise above the spiritual opposition and we're going to stand on the word of God which is yes and amen it's settled if he's done it for me he can do it for you rise above as our music comes this morning remember the lord our god remember because when it gets tough and i promise you it will when opposition comes and i promise you it will friend you're going to need to think about something. And you're going to need to know that our God would rather you think about his power than those who hate his will. God would rather you remember his goodness than hear all of the critics say that God left you and God forsake you. Remember the Lord our God. Friend, the greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for God the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. Some in this room this morning, you may have a bad report right now, and you just don't think there's a way. You just don't think there's any way. I'm telling you, the greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight for you. Remember the Lord. Remember, Nehemiah says in verse 14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's saying, fight, people, fight. Stand up for what we believe in the goodness of our God. Fight for your families. He says, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Somebody here needs to hear it. Remember the Lord your God and continue to fight. Fight for your healing. Fight for your breakthrough. Fight for your calling. Remember the Lord and still fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Keep fighting for those who need to find hope in him. Whenever you do something that matters, there will be a battle. As you all stand with me this morning, you will always face opposition. So remember the Lord and fight. Remember the Lord and fight. Rise above. What do you do when there's something in the world that doesn't sit right with you on behalf of God? What did Nehemiah do? Here's what you do. You sit down. You sit down. You cry. You kneel down. You pray. And then you stand up and you act. You stand up and you act. 
you stand up and you step out. And when our enemy shows up to try to slow you down, you remember that the Lord your God and you fight for what God called you to fight for. Hear me, you don't give up. You don't give up. You don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep on building. Keep on building. One stone at a time, one brick at a time. You rise above little at a time, little by little. One moment of faithfulness after another, day after day, week after week, by the power of God and his grace, you can rebuild. I'm here to remind somebody you can be used by God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. You can be used by God. You can be used by God. And I believe there are some that have made up their mind this morning, and you're not going to let the voice or the power of any opposition stop you. I've decided I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let it slow me down. I'm not going to let it deter or distract me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You believe that this morning? Would you lift up your hands all across this room with me right now? I'm telling you, you can be used by God. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been through. My friend, you can be used by God. You need to rise above the voice that says no, the voice that says never, the lies of the enemy that says you'll never amount to anything. You don't have what it takes. I'm telling you, through God, all things are possible. And when we put it in his hand, it's not our power, it's his. It's not our strength, it's his. Come on, lift up your hands and your voice with me right now. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.